0: This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your home life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash this is home. Hi, this is Polly. I'm Polly Campbell, simply said. And I have a quick show note for you. Today, you're going to hear an interview with Valerie Alexander, author and speaker, and we're talking about happiness. Now, this show was taped about a month and a half ago, long before we knew we were going to be sheltering in place and canceling schools. But I think it's still relevant today because she discovered the language of happiness after some really difficult times in her life. And what she learned helps her stay grounded today. And I think we can all learn from it. Be well and enjoy the S2 interview with Valerie Alexander. Simply Said is the place we come together to talk about the simple ways we can live well, do good, and be happy. And we might just change the world while we're at it. Are you ready? Let's do it! Welcome, this is Polly, and you are listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about practical ways to live well, do good, and be happy, and by practical, I mean things that even I can do, and if I can do them, I'm telling you what, you can do them too, and today, we're getting right down to it, because when we're talking about living well and feeling happy, that's a very practical way to live our lives because it elevates everything else we do and we have a special s2 interview with screenwriter author speaker entrepreneur attorney all these great things and the author of several books including happiness as a second language valerie alexander welcome valerie Thank you, Polly. I'm so happy to be here. You're happy all the time, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) That's true. Deal. Tell me before we get into this, because if I don't ask this next question, my father and some of our listeners are just going to lose it. Because one of our favorite traditions is watching Hallmark Christmas shows (laughs) during the Christmas season, and I'm not kidding though. They make me happy. Like I watch them because I know. I'm going to just feel better, like things are resolved in a happy way. And I came across your name because you wrote a Hallmark Christmas movie, right?
1: Yes. I How wrote it? Memories of Christmas, which starred Christina Million. Um, I am very proud of one particular fact. We had the first, it was the first movie on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries that had African-American leads. So that was very exciting.
0: Now, is that something as a screenwriter you write in? Is that a casting decision? How does that work with the executives in the process?
1: As a screenwriter, you have absolutely no control over anything after you turn in your script. (laughs) (laughs) that's that yeah that is one of the things that gets sort of beaten into you early on unless unless you're a producer or unless you're the director you put the words on the page and then cross your fingers um (laughs) and this one i got very lucky because i thought christina was fantastic um and i was really i was just really happy with the way the movie came out
0: you have a lot of things going on though i mean you you were just talking to me about traveling uh to speak but Things weren't always working this well. When I read the intro and in the, in the first chapters of your happiness book, I mean, it re- you were going through some hard times. You broke up with your, your boyfriend. You were unhappy in your job. Your mom was sick. How did you start from that place and wind up here?
1: The book opens with a story of a very low point in my life where I made some I came close to making a very bad and very permanent decision, which I think a lot of people understand what that's code for. And by the grace of God, I got a phone. Well, first off, I had a dog who made a difference in my life at that moment. And then I got a phone call from a friend at the exact right moment. And and it sort of knocked me off my path of what I was heading towards doing. And at that point, I realized, okay, just... Other people need you right now. Just go be that person and then deal with all the garbage you're going through. Mm. And so I had, it's going to sound ridiculous to say, I had the great luck of my mother having a brain tumor. Mm. And I can say the great luck of that because my mother, that was 20 years ago, it was literally 20 years ago, February 11th, that this happened. And she's still with us today. She was here. Last week visiting me in Los Angeles. So all blessings came out of this. Mm-hmm. But that changed the course of everything for me. It it gave me a little more purpose. I sold my house, I sold my car, I gave away all my furniture, and with two suitcases and the dog, I flew to Indiana and I spent a year taking care of my mom. And that was really a great year. Um, and I was very privileged to have the ability to do that. And That's when I started realizing my unhappiness was, I won't say self-generating, but I was letting circumstance dictate my unhappiness. And what I figured out is that I could have a little more control over that. Now, the thing that's not in the book is that a lot of people, I've heard from a lot of readers, they read that opening chapter about, you know, the boyfriend who wasn't faithful and the job that was failing and other things going wrong in my life. And they think, oof, that's a cakewalk compared to what I went through. Mm. And I have a new appreciation for that because I wrote the book in 2010. It I was under a weird caught in a weird publishing agent contract that was really bad it took two years to get out of it so the book didn't come out until 2013 in the meantime um 2011 the end of 2011 and 2012 were the worst part of my life I mean much much worse than anything that you read in the book in October of 2011 my husband and I Owned a fabulous condo in the best part of Los Angeles. We had two cars and a motorcycle. We had a dog. We fully supported his parents. And I was pregnant. And by the, after four years and $50,000 worth of IVF. And by the end of 2011, by December 31st, 2011, all of that was gone. Mm, My goodness. All of it was gone. Uh, we got betrayed by somebody financially. We lost everything. His parents had to move back to their home in Florida. Uh, I lost the baby. And I crawled into a deeper, darker hole than I thought could exist. And the most miraculous thing that happened when I was, you know, curled up in bed, unable to function, I kept telling myself, I'm a happy person. And I was able to tell myself that because I'd written a book about it. Hmm. And the the it's the most insane thing. It's as if the 2012 me went back in time and told the 2010 me, write a book about happiness because you're going to need it. And I just was able to tell myself over and over and over I'm a happy person, and this is a horrible time in my life, but this time will pass. Mm -hmm. And when this is done, I will get back to being a happy person. And that is what got me through. Mm -hmm. The techniques in the book that I had written because I thought they were good ideas when I wrote them got really battle-tested, luckily for me, before the book came out. And so that's a a good lesson in listening to your inner voice, in knowing who you are, and in making a commitment to do the work to become a happy person so that when that happiness is challenged, you aren't completely taken out of the life you've created.
0: And I want to dig into that. When that happiness is challenged, and it's going to be challenged, right? I mean, right, this is how humanity works. This is how life works. This is how we work. And I'm, I'm interested in that idea because I think often we see happiness as a destination. Well, when I just get these shoes, when I just get this job, right. when I just marry this guy or this woman, I'm going to be happy. And that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a foundational quality that life may have up and down and, and great trauma and despair. And That happiness, it's something you're built on, not something that leaves you then.
1: Right. There's twofold reason that the book is called happiness as a second language. The first comes from the idea that if you grew up in a house where everybody spoke Greek, you would speak Greek. But if you grew up in a house where nobody spoke Greek, you wouldn't wake up one day and think, oh, I should speak Greek. You know what? I'm going to think really hard about this until I start speaking Greek. Or I'll read a book. I'll read a book about speaking Greek and that'll make me a Greek speaker. No, if you, if you wanted to learn a new language, think about all the steps you would go through. Think about how much time you would give yourself. Think about how much effort and dedication you would devote to it and how much practice and how many setbacks you would accept and how much effort you'd put in. That's how we should approach trying to become happier. Think of it as a continuing process, like trying to become fluent in a language you don't naturally speak. Mm. So that's the first reason for the as a second language platform. But the second reason is that once you speak a language, you don't stop speaking it because something goes wrong or because you're not there for a while. If, if you are fluent in French and then you don't speak it for 15 years, let's say, you go back to France, it doesn't take too long before you start speaking it again. And I want people to think of happiness that way. If you build up that core, if you build up that baseline of being a happy person, then you can step away from it for a while, or more accurately, life will knock you away from it for a while, and it doesn't stop you from being a happy person, just like it doesn't stop you from being an English speaker, just like it doesn't stop you from being a Christian, just like it doesn't stop you from being whatever nationality you are. If you decide that happiness is part of your core identity and do the work to get there, It will remain part of your core identity, even in challenging circumstances.
0: I think that's a really powerful thing because you're right. We want to learn things. We want to learn how to play basketball or speak Greek and we throw ourselves all in. And yet how we feel about our lives and in our lives is often susceptible to whatever is happening externally. Yeah. What you're saying is learn the language from the inside out so that it shows up for you when you end up in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Let's talk yeah. about the language. I mean, you, you talk about colors being a language of happiness. You talk about verbs as being key part of the language of happiness. Can it be that
1: simple if we know what our language is? Before I started writing the book, when I had the concept that happiness should be another language that you become fluent in, I have never. I had never read any other happiness books. I decided I didn't want my work to be based on anyone else's ideas about happiness. But I studied language textbooks. I went to the main library in Los Angeles every day for hours. And into the language textbook section, I studied how do you teach a new language? And they all are structured essentially the same way with this beginning introduction of how you say who you are, because I guess each person's own identity is important. So whether it's, you know, Mayama Valerie or Jim Valerie, the first thing you learn is how to say who you are, how to introduce yourself. And then you learn the really basic vocabulary of life. Um, this is a chair that's a desk and then you learn colors you learn days of the week. These are how language textbooks are structured. They start out very basic. And the book, Happiness as a Second Language, starts out very basic. And then you get into things like nouns and verbs and how to conjugate verbs and all these other things that are later more difficult concepts. And so that's how I structured the book. And that's, in fact, I, I followed Happiness as a Second Language with the book Success as a Second Language. And then I secured the U.S. registered trademark on the phrase as a second language for self-help. So now I publish a series of these books with other authors write for me. And all of the books are structured the exact same way. You start out very simply, very basic vocabulary. Then you move to nouns and verbs. Then you move to really advanced concepts. And, and the way the happy color chapter works is the, the book is all about creating a baseline by finding where your happiness comes from. So what I tell people is find the happiest moment you can recall, that moment that when you think about it, it creates happiness for you, no matter what, like, you know, it could be the birth of your child or it could be something so small. It could be, you know, someone in the workplace gave you a happy, a nice compliment that you just hold on to. I have a couple, uh, several of these things where I hold on to because whenever I think about it, it makes me happy. So I tell people, find that memory that makes you happy no matter what and close your eyes and really meditate on that memory and then see if you can attach a color to it. And when you attach a color to that memory, now use that color to trigger not just the memory, but the happiness that comes from it. So it's, it's what I call a signal disruptor. When you are having unhappiness, when you are challenged, Stop and remember what is the color and then look around you. It is amazing when you look around your environment, you will see every color there is and you will see the color you need. Like right now, if I said red, everybody listening will be able to look at their environment and see more red than they had ever noticed. Mm-hmm. This is also a way to be mindful, which is wonderful. Mindfulness is becoming, you know, staying in mm-hmm. the present moment. So you find the happiest memory you have, attach that to a color, and then you reverse engineer that to use that color to bring you back to happiness.
0: Valerie, each show I offer a Simply Start segment, and this is a way that we can all get into this today, a way we can start our practice today. And, and I, I love that as a Simply Start, a way to build in this happiness baseline.
1: Yes. So think about the happiest moment of your life and meditate on that moment. And it sounds strange when people are hearing it, but once you start doing that, there will be a color associated with that moment. Whatever your happiest moment is, when you really meditate on it, there's going to be a color that emerges that becomes predominant. It could be, you know, the. Red door of the boy you had a crush on in high school, or the blue eyes of the first person who ever said she loved you. When you really lose yourself in the meditation on that moment, when you give yourself, I would say, a good solid three minutes, set a timer for three minutes and do nothing but close your eyes and reflect on the happiest memory you have or the happiest moment you can recall. And in that three minutes a color will emerge and then attach that color to that memory and then open your eyes and look around you and see how many places you spot that color and you'll be amazed and then use that color as a happiness booster. I I say that the other way to imprint happiness and make it your baseline is you use signal boosters and signal disruptors. Signal boosters are what boost your happiness and signal disruptors are what stop your downward spiral when you're falling into unhappiness. Hmm. A really good signal disruptor is simply the phrase, I'm a happy person. If you, as soon as you fall your, find yourself spiraling, you say, I'm a happy person. Another incredible signal disruptor and even a signal booster is if you can rattle off five things making you happy in that moment. Force your brain to acknowledge five things making you happy in that moment. These are signal boosters and signal disruptors. That color one is really effective. When your brain releases all kinds of happy hormones, it, uh, dopamine and oxytocin and serotonin and endorphins, there's tons of triggers for these. You can create your own triggers for these. If you want to release more dopamine in your brain, find something that makes you happy. One of the women, I'm trying to remember the circumstances, read the book. She said to me, I don't really have a color, but dolphins. Somehow dolphins just make me incredibly happy. And I said, okay, then use that. Whenever you see a dolphin or an image of a dolphin, or even hear the word dolphins, stop and give yourself that boost.
0: Life is in the noticing, and it's in choosing what to notice. So what we're talking about here, and I think those are great simply start tips, find your happy memory and go into it, allow yourself to be in there again, and then associate with a color and choose to notice that color. You don't have to choose to go back through the memory every time, but attach those two, anchor those two things together so that when you're really in the muck of it, you can deliberately choose happiness. And this is practical because when we feel better, we do better. When you are lighter of spirit, you're going to work through your trouble spots with a lot more grace and ease. You're going to have clarity to get the solutions you need and find the people you need to help you. And you're going to feel better doing it. So sometimes people say, well, life isn't all about no, it's not. But it is about working through the moments of our life with greater ease so that we can get to where we want to go and create the experience we want to have. And, and Valerie, I think this is a great way to, to do it.
1: It's a hundred percent within your control. And, but it is a practice. Nobody listening to this right now who hasn't started is going to be suddenly baseline happier tomorrow because they're doing this. There are setbacks. There is practice. There is repetition. There is being around native speakers.
0: Yeah. You're learning the language, right?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: I love that. I love that metaphor. And that brings us to the Simply Nifty segment where I talk about favorite things, things that help me live well, do good and be happy, things that I enjoy, things that teach me. And I, I want you to pick up all of Valerie's books, but the one we're talking about today is happiness as a second language. I think it's practical. I think it's interesting. I think it's a good read. It's, it's well-written. I mean, she writes all Mark movies. What can you expect people? And more than that, I know more than that, but you know where I'm at with that. And if you want to find a way through, the dark passages of life to a little lighter place on the other side to find that happiness, even when things are hard. Uh, I think this is a great place to start. Happiness as a second language is simply nifty. Valerie Alexander. Valerie, this is great. I could talk to you all day. So where can we find your books and your work?
1: All of the books are on Amazon. So I encourage everyone to get them there. If anyone wants to find me, my website is speakhappiness.com. So that's speak, S-P-E-A-K, happiness.com. You can find the books there. You can find all about my speaking there. And that is the thing I, I do the most these days. And what had the most investment of my time is in keynote speaking, which is something I love. I speak about the advancement of women in the workplace. I speak about the elimination of unconscious bias. That's also a way you can find me is my TED talk On how to outsmart your own unconscious bias. And then I speak about happiness in the workplace as a strategic business advantage. If companies paid more attention to how happy their workforce was, they would save hundreds of millions of dollars. I totally agree. Less sick time, less everything. Oh, everything. But I I can literally rattle off right now 20 line items that cost less when you're when your employees are happier.
0: Wow. All right. Check out the work of Valerie Alexander. I Valerie, thanks for being here. It was fun and it's making me think about how I want to go through the rest of my day. I'm going to I'm going to get off this podcast and pick my color. I'm going to go do that right now because I think that makes so much sense when I'm in those moments where I'm not being deliberate in which way I want to go. I think that'd be a great way to trigger me into a happier spot. So, thank
1: you for that. Thank you for having me, Polly. This was a great conversation. Yeah, it was for me too. So
0: thanks for being here. And remember today, people, when we go forward into your day, learn to speak the language of happiness. We can learn it together and lift each other up because it's about who we hang with and how we think and how we behave in this world together that makes the difference. And I'm telling you what, I'm a happy person. And I hope you learn that language too, because I think that will all help us live well, do good and be happy.